Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hey everyone, it's Sanira here. As you may know, CEO School is officially part of the HubSpot Podcasting Network. We're now part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts, like Being Boss, hosted by Emily Thompson. Being Boss is an exploration of not only what it means, but what it takes to be boss as a creative business owner, freelancer, or side hustler. I enjoyed listening in as Emily, along with her guest, Nikki Nash, discussed very practical ways to create a marketing plan that works. Listen to Being Boss wherever you get your podcasts, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. I have today the founder of Call of Power. And when I tell you I am so pumped about this session today, I personally, if you open my freezer at any time, <laughs> literally any time, you will always find a pizza of Call of Power in my freezer. And my favorite is just the classic margarita. And I'm absolutely obsessed with, it's like the best cauliflower pizza that I have ever found. And I feel uh, always, um, like, I always feel really good about eating pizza. And so I love, I love, I love this product. And I love that it's founded by an incredible mother, an incredible female CEO, Gail Becker, who began her career as a broadcast journalist worked in politics, government, and spent a year as a senior executive in corporate America. The passing of her father led to follow her entrepreneurial footsteps. And as a mother of two sons with celiac disease, she grew really frustrated with the gluten-free industry and decided to do something about it herself. Just like most women do, we have to take the solution into our own hands. And so she left her job and created Call of Power. And now Call of Power is one of the fastest growing uh, brands in America. It can be found in you know any place that we buy our, our frozen pizzas from. And I can personally tell you, and my kids can personally tell you how much we absolutely love Call of Power. And I'm just so excited to have Gail Becker here today with all of us at CEO School. Gail, welcome to CEO School. Well, well, that's quite an intro. Thank you. What a lovely energy you have. Uh, uh, I can feel it through the computer. So thank you. That's nice. I'm so excited. No, I truly mean it. You can find your pizza inside of my freezer at any point. Uh, we got okay. connected through a mutual, uh, our, our mutual publicist. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're, uh, Gail and I are both working with the same publicist, uh, who's amazing. And I, she was telling me about, she was, I was like, oh, I want to interview some more women. And she was like, have you, do you know about, um, uh, call up like Gail from call power? I was like, oh my God. I was like totally fangirling, um, on you, Gail. So I Thank would well, fangirling so, right back. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to have you. And I know the women here, um, that are listening, that are here present live, are so excited to learn from you, especially leaving corporate America and starting this journey. I'd love for you to take us back and kind of bring us to like the ideation phase of Call of Power. And like, how did you decide like, this is, this is like something that you're going to set out to go do and what took place next? You know, it's so interesting. Um, I wish I could say that like, this was sort of a long held dream of mine. It was in terms of starting my own thing, but not necessarily what it was going to look like. And I think, you know, the very first step is being open to the signs that the universe sends your way. And for me, those signs were, were threefold. One, 
I did come from corporate America and I sort of worked my way up the proverbial ladder and realized I didn't like the view when I got to the top. And so I knew I wanted to make a change, but I didn't know yet exactly what that would be. Second was um, the passing of my dad, who uh, I'm a first generation American. He came to this country with nothing and built a small business. And when he when he passed away, something inside me really changed. And I I knew I wanted to follow in his footsteps, but I didn't really know what that would look like either. And and that's where the, the third element really came in. And that was, you know, I uh, my, my my boys were diagnosed with celiac at a very young age, and I realized, and I so it gave me a really good perch from which to watch the gluten free industry evolve. And I didn't really like what I saw, and I thought someone would do something about it, but they never did. I stumbled across cauliflower crust pizza on the internet for 569,000 recipes the day I checked. Uh, I made one, it was all right. One of my sons asked me if I was gonna make it again. And I said, no way, it took 90 minutes to make a pizza crust, but I'll find it for you. And I never did. Uh, uh, there wasn't, it hadn't been introduced yet. So I took all of those things, like my frustration and disenchantment with corporate America, the passing of my father and the realization that I wanted to do something more meaningful and the, you know, the, the, the white space that I can't be the only one who thinks 90 minutes is too long to make a pizza crust. Um, uh, so I put all of those together and I came out with, I know I'm going to leave my job and start a company called Kali Power. And that's what I did. And the rest is history. <laughs> Sort of. it, 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 it's, it's so it's so interesting. I've interviewed at this point, I think we're about I've probably done 200 plus interviews. Wow. With female CEOs. So I've interviewed a lot of successful women here at CEO school. And something that I find really interesting is like the like the nonchalantness of like the women of like how their founding story comes about. And, but it's usually similar. It's usually, it's, it's not based out of like, oh, somebody else did. And so therefore I did. It's usually, I was really stinking frustrated because I could not find. And therefore I could, I, I was the last person to want to do it, but I didn't have another solution. And so I was like, try, I had to find the solution. And that's a common thread that I've seen in many of the female uh, the, the female stories that, that I get to interview, but it's so nonchalant every time. And it's like, oh yeah. And now we just have this like multi-million dollar brand mm -hmm. that's distributed everywhere. And, uh, it, it's not easy. Right. I think that the hardest part, when I look back upon my own entrepreneurial journey, like the hardest part was actually getting started. There were, even though you were probably one of the first, you couldn't find that solution. There were probably dozens of other alternatives that were there. What was going on through your head in that moment? to go tackle such a large industry, like the food industry, like what was going on in your head at that time? Cause I want, I want to dig deeper there. Yeah. Okay. All, um, all great questions. So first of all, I would say that, um, you know, it's really interesting. Um, the other thing that female founders all share is, uh, a lot of us start a business, a company to, 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 to help people to make, to, to solve a pro a personal problem, to help their family. Um, it's clearly not always the case, but oftentimes that is the reason why women go into starting this crazy entrepreneurial journey in the first place. Um, but to your point, you know, it's making that decision is really the hardest part. And I think, I think a lot of women sort of wait for the right time. I always equate it to having kids like, oh, I'm going to wait for the right time to have kids. Well, guess what? There is no right time. It's never going to happen. Like there's no magical moment where Tinkerbell flies over, rings her little bell. Now's the moment. And if you're waiting for that in any case in life, it's not going to happen. So you have to find that moment yourself. And sometimes what that means is that you have to trust yourself. You have to bet on yourself. And that can be hard for anyone. And I think it's particularly, you know, um, tough for women because, um, you know, sometimes it takes us many years to sort of 
have the courage to listen to that inner voice. Our inner voice has been there all along. We just don't always listen to it. And um, and so for me, after many years, I, I started Kali Power much later in life, right? Um, after many years, I, I finally decided, you know what? I am going to bet on myself. I am going to show my kids what happens when you do. And I am going to make the leap, um, having no idea what I'm jumping into. Um, and in some ways, ignorance is bliss. Because if I had known what a crazy ride it would be, I probably wouldn't have done it. You wouldn't have those pizzas in your in your freezer. There were no better for you pizzas um, in the category at all. We, we actually created the category. Um, and so, um, you know, sometimes... Uh, Sometimes uh, love is blind and ignorance is bliss. And that ended up working out in my favor. I love that. And I, and I agree with you because they're, they're taking a bet on yourself is the hardest part. That is a hundred percent. I would say like the hardest part and, you know, I, why just going for it and taking that leap, taking that jump. But, it, and I agree with you when you said like, looking back, I don't know if I would have done it uh, because it's, it's, it's a lot of work, right? And and it is, it really is, but it is so fulfilling uh, and not everybody gets that opportunity. A lot of people can attempt to do it and try to do it, uh, mm-hmm. but not everyone succeeds in doing it. And if you're able to find that success in doing so, it's definitely very, very rewarding to see something that you're solving that was in your head, you know, really come to life. I almost always describe um, my company's, you know, my first company stacks, like it is, it's literally my child. Like it was my, it's my first child. So I had the company before I even had children and the way that I love stack people still ask me all the time, like why I haven't left. I mean, we've had multiple rounds of private equity exits. Like I can leave when I want to, if, if I want to, and they're like, why are you still running the company? And it's like, it's so hard to explain the love that I have for it. Um, and it's, it's my baby. Like it was the actual first thing I ever gave birth to. And so it's such a hard thing to explain, to love something like you do a human, but Mm -hmm. I think most women, and the reason why female founded businesses, I believe like the stats on women founded businesses and the success that we have compared to men. I mean, you know, we're better for, for, uh, for investors. We're better for our people. We're better for, uh, profit margins. We're better for Mm -hmm. all of these things. It's because we really care, um, about everything and the way that we do for our family or for our children, or like we treat it that way. And so, but I know, I don't know if I would have done it again. Um, I appreciate the blind sentiment because it's, it's definitely there. Exactly. And the only thing that I would uh, add to that, because that was certainly beautifully said. So um, uh, I think of Kali Power as my third child. I will tell you that it was the most difficult by a long shot of all my children. Uh, and um, but but I, I think people have to redefine what success looks like, because I think, you know, it's not about being having a successful business or being a successful founder or however you define that. To me, I sort of got over that initial, you know, lump in my throat because I said, it doesn't matter if I'm successful by traditional terms. To me, success was trying. And in fact, I read, uh, I, I wrote a blog when I, uh, when I made the leap from uh, uh, the cor- corporate world to uh, entrepreneurship. And it's called, um, it's better to say oops than what if. And I realized that is success is trying because if you don't do that, you're just letting yourself down. Who cares about what other people think? Who cares about what the rest of the world thinks? Who cares if it's successful or not? You owe it to yourself to try. And that is the definition of success. I absolutely love that. And it it definitely is. And And I think we have this conversation all the time. At least I do with the women, you know, that I'm around in the women in CEO school, a huge part of it is defining that definite, like that definition of success sometimes for women 
we're told what success should look like. And exactly. I would say, oh, shitting all over ourselves. We should do this. We should do that. This is what the stats are. This is, and we're blindly making goals. And I think, and something we were just talking about um, in our, we had a book club conversation earlier today. Um, and one of the topics that came up was de- designing our life, not based on what we def- like others define of success, but really what success looks like for us and yeah. having those questions, asking this uh, even from a business lens to say, what does success look like for me versus looking at grass is always greener on the other side. And there's right. always something better. There's always something more to achieve. And just, you know, it's really hard to not fall into that trap, uh, especially right. when you're getting started or, you know, trying to make this business successful. So Gail, I would love to, now that the you know, the business got started, what kind of took place next in your entrepreneurial journey? So you got the business, you figured out this like amazing recipe that does make something that is a staple in every household, not just in America, but across the world, you've created a new category. Were you afraid or were you inspired or what, like, what was, what, what happened next between, you know, we kind of fast forward and you're like, oh, now cauliflowers and everyone's like everyone's freezer, but Let's let's dive a little bit deeper yeah. into that journey. Happen. Uh, I I I'm still afraid. I still sleep with one eye open. I I I I you know I'm never I I'm always you know sort of looking over my shoulder and making sure that you know that no one can sort of take take this away. Not just from me, but but from consumers. And I think that. Um, what I did and what I encourage other founders or potential founders out there is, you know, I was really comfortable in admitting what I didn't know. And let me tell you, I'd worked in corporate America for a long time. I ran a lot of businesses. I didn't know anything about food. I cooked it, I bought it and ate it. And that really didn't give me much of a license to to start a food company. Um, But I was a sponge. And I knew what I didn't know. And I hired lots of people around me who could fill in the gaps. And that and that's really what I did. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes founders feel like because it is their child, to use your analogy, um, that they do have to have all the answers. But you don't. You just have to know where you need help. And that's really how I built the business. I was a, I hired consultants and people to teach me. I, I spent you know weeks in the grocery store, walking up and down the aisles, talking to consumers, talking to the people in the grocery store. And you know, and obviously, it took about eight or nine months to, to you know to develop the crust. But um, I, I I I relied on on experts to teach me what I didn't know. Having said that, you also have to figure out as a founder, where are you going to do something different? So lots of rules to follow, lots of conventional wisdom, lots of traditional ways of building a business that should absolutely be your building blocks. But then you have to identify for yourself, what am I going to do differently? Because if you're just the same as everyone else, what are you doing? You got to be different in some way. Where's the white space? What's going to make your product better, cheaper, more luxurious, faster, cleaner, taste better, whatever it is. So what rules are you going to follow and what rules are you going to break? Oh, such great questions for us to like all ponder over. And you're absolutely right. I think one of the biggest things that we can all do wherever we are at any point in our business is just say, I don't know something. I need help. Right. Asking the questions. I think the most powerful thing that we have is asking the right questions. Like any leader that I have just ever learned from one of the things that one of my favorite traits about people who are successful is they're never the ones who are the smartest in the room, but they know how to ask the right questions. They know how to surround themselves by people. Exactly. And exactly. They're lifelong learners, right? The lifelong learning ability to say, I'm a lifelong learner. I want to continue to learn and I don't have the answer, but right. I'll figure it out. I'm, and right. I'm a sponge and I'm not better 
and anything. And I think that is definitely a trait that most women actually possess versus the man's ego sometimes gets in the way of that. They have mm -hmm. to be the last word. They have to be the know-it-all. They have to, um, you know, um, their intelligence gets questioned or in their mm -hmm. minds or ego is so powerful. Right. And I think for women, um, I do think that that is, you know, such a great trait of ours in just asking the right questions, but also not being afraid. And I love what you said of knowing how to be different. And I think mm -hmm. that's where this balance comes from of being able to say, Hey, I don't know, I'm going to learn. And now that I right. learn and I understand how the conventional way works, here's my spin on this and owning right. that power to do it too right? Owning that piece right. of it. And we're not giving, and I see that a lot of times there, there is that quality that we have, but sometimes we're so mute to try yeah. to also we the sponge, but we want to, you know, we don't need to be like the other person on the other side. We just need to have enough knowledge to be able to arm ourselves to be dangerous. Right. And I think that's where that, you know, where women that have become successful in running businesses, I believe that that has been that, that shift in trait of knowing when to ask understanding but then also what you said is what is that white space how can you own your own power to make it different absolutely and i think that's hard for women particularly i mean it was hard for me i'll i'll, I'll admit coming from the corporate america coming from the corporate world where it's really hard to be vulnerable you feel like you have to work so much harder and be so much better just to you know work your way up and so we're on on the one hand we're sort of taught not to make us vulnerable right to sort of you know um you know put out this this aura of you know um you know i have it and and i'm just gonna and, and i'm gonna work my way up and you know no one's gonna stand in my way which is all great but then what that is doing it's creating an environment where it's hard for it's challenging for women to say actually could you explain that to me or i don't know the answer or I'm going to check with someone who does, or I'm going to hire someone who's smarter than me in this area. And so it's like this really interesting push and pull dynamic. And it's only, it's only when I started my own thing where I just felt so comfortable and saying, I have no idea, but you know what, we're going to find out. And uh, that's a, that ability is power. While the markets may have seen a dip in QTVC funding, it doesn't mean that your business can't scale. It just means it might look different to how you had planned. With thousands of in-house crafted integrations for marketing, sales, and service, HubSpot is on a mission to help your business grow better with a CRM platform that's easy to buy, use, and scale. Want to figure out how to streamline your deals? Easy. The Sales Hub helps you close more deals by automating your busy work. Need to automate your social media? piece of cake. The Marketing Hub has everything you need to publish, post, and monitor your social media channels all in a single place. And Service Hub, centralized customer data keeps your support teams all moving in one direction, forward. Learn how HubSpot can make it easier for your business to grow better at HubSpot.com. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers in through the door is even harder, but getting paid shouldn't have to be. Stacks Payments is here to help. Our intuitive platform simplifies invoicing, recurring billing, and enables you to take payments in person, online, and even through text messages. Stacks is the one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee subscription for unlimited credit card processing, so you can save money and put more into your pocket. Subscribers to this podcast can save even more by mentioning code CEO20 when they sign up and save an additional 20% on your subscription for the lifetime of your account. Yes, we love supporting women in business. CEO20. Stop spending time tracking down customers and getting frustrated with payment tools that will fail you. Automate your business with Stacks Payments today and get your complete payment toolkit and support another fellow woman-owned business. Learn more at stackspayments.com slash CEO school. Again, that's stackspayments.com slash CEO school and code CEO20 to save another 20%.
So what took place next in the journey, right? So how did you actually land? What was kind of like that big breaking point? Did, did you have a place in your business that was like this one pivotal moment for you that took place that changed the trajectory? You know, was it a lot of hustle up front? Um, has it always been like consistent? If you can kind of just talk through a little bit of that business journey, that would be helpful. Absolutely. And uh, it's always a struggle. Every day is a struggle. Every day comes a challenge. I always say when I started, my hair was straight because every single day has been <laughs> difficult. Um, but I, I would say in the early days, the two, there were two inflection points. Actually, three. The first one was um, I got some really bad news early on. And in the process and i thought that's it i can't do it and i think what people don't realize is how close i came like this close to never never following through with collie power because at this point nobody knew what i was doing so if i if i backed out before i launched no one would know it's like it was like that safe space like you could either go for it or you could retreat and i came really close to retreating so i think that was an inflection point where i decided no no i'm gonna go for it and i called several people in my life and they gave me the confidence to 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 go forward the second inflection point was um when our pizzas were accepted into 30 whole food stores uh and in 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 the in the southern california region and that was because you have to make the pizzas, make the brand, make the boxes. You have to do all of that investment and you don't know if anyone's going to bring them in. And so I, 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 so the good, so for anyone listening out there who's interested in going into the food business, Whole Foods has this program where you can pitch your product to your local, your regional Whole Foods. So I lived in Southern California and so that was my region and so literally i dropped off a styrofoam container at the front desk of four of the most expensive pizzas ever made and <laughs> I, I i i gave them to receptionists like i was dro dropping off my baby at daycare and uh about uh 10 days later i happened to be in washington dc for something i was at a starbucks you never forget where you are and I get an email from the buyer who said, we loved your products. We're going to bring them into stores at to 30 stores. And, you know, uh, you just never forget how you feel. Four pizzas. I had four, four SKUs. Yeah, I had oh four SKUs. So she was going to bring in uh, them to 30 Whole Foods stores, which is not many. But for me, it was the world. It was the world. Because what it said was, maybe this isn't such a crazy idea. Maybe it's not me, just maybe it'll work. And then the next inflection point again, early on, I've had many sins, but the next inflection point was at, um, at, at Expo West in 2017. So I started Collie Power in May of 2016. We launched in those 30 Whole Food stores in February of 2017. And in March of 2017, I had a little teeny tiny booth at Expo West, which is a big, is the biggest natural food um, convention. Little tiny table. I ordered my banner from Zazzle. I don't even know if Zazzle is still around. I'm sure it is. I ordered my banner from Zazzle. I got some fresh cauliflower as my um, as my decoration, and I I think my son and my uh, one employee at the time cooked like uh, I don't know 1,200 pizzas in three days, and people loved him. And the retailer said, we want this. And we just grew from there. So. I love it. Congratulations, Gail. I mean, Thank I you. have goosebumps just listening to you and your energy. And I could see, I could see those inflection points in the business. I could feel them. I've had a different story, but I could feel connected with you in those inflection points. And when you talked about getting that email, knowing exactly where you were, it's, it's the validation, right? I mean, you really do feel like you're an absolute fucking crazy person yeah. starting a business. Okay. Yeah. And you are so afraid and you want, like, it is, it is the, it is the most ludicrous thing that anybody ever does. It and is. then yet you get that one piece, like it's that, that 
one piece of validation, like that little bit of nectar that you yeah. need, and then boom, you're addicted to exactly. it, right? And then it's on exactly. the and it's on to the next. I love it. Exactly. And for, you know, for, and for anyone listening, like, you know what? Somebody said to me, don't go to Expo West. It's a zoo. <laughs> don't go. You'll never, you'll, you'll get lost. It's very expensive, whatever. And there was something in my brain that just said, I feel like we need to be there. And thank God I did. But that's what I'm saying. You know, there is nothing more powerful than a woman's gut. Yes. Nothing. Nothing more powerful than your instinct. And the biggest, the biggest thing you could do to harm yourself is not listen to that incredible gift. It's a gift. Use it. Won't always be right. But more often than not, it will be. And um, so I just want all the women out there to make sure they listen to that incredible little gift we all have. I can, I can tell you that everyone can, I can, yes, absolutely. Every woman is saying, amen. <laughs> we are listening to our gut. And it definitely is. It is our, our brain right? Like I, we always talk about having three brains, our front, like our, our, yeah. like the, you know, the intelligence and like your, your actual physical brain, which is like logical and analytical. And then you have your gut, which is the instinct yeah. and you have to look to it. And then the third brain is your heart and like, not to forget that yeah, as well. Exactly. Exactly. With all three of those things. And that's, exactly. that's, it's so powerful. I am just so, I'm, I'm just so, I'm so giddy right now talking to you. Okay. I am. <laughs> so a couple, couple more questions. Okay. Yeah. So we get to the expo. What are some of like the, the hardest things? Like now you look back, you have distribution everywhere. You have, you know, a wildly successful brand. Is there anything you look back on your journey and you're like, I would go back and change that. Or I wish I would have done that differently or any lessons like big, deep lessons learned that you can share with the women here. Uh, how many hours is this podcast? Cause I could go for <laughs> many, many minutes. hours of all the things I've done wrong. <laughs> it's a long list ladies. Um, here's a couple. I didn't know much about the investment community, how that worked. I should have been more educated before I started on that track. But honestly, you get so wrapped up in it and things are moving so fast and you're trying to build a business and run a business and scale a business. And I, I probably did not allow myself enough time to be as as educated as I would have liked to be. I certainly am now. Certainly am now, but I've, I've learned some lessons the hard way, but um, I would encourage people to, um, to, to not make the, some of those mistakes. Um, I also, I'd love to pause you okay. right here because okay. did you end up taking investors on to scale yeah. the business? Yeah. Did you end yeah. up taking a private equity route, a venture capital route? If you could share a little bit in some of those lessons. I took, I think yeah. I took VC money and it was good and, you know, and they're still with us today and I've expanded some of that, but you know, I think diversity of where you get your money from is really important. Um, and you know, and, and it's a two way process. So I think founders are really, you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, they want to give me money. And they're looking at that as a validation point. Oh, someone wants to give me money. So that's great. And we're aligned and I'm going to take it. It's a, it's kind of like dating, right? But it's not, it's not one way. It's two way. And the, and these investors are going to be with you for a while. And so I would just say, you know, take the time to, you know, to see if you have the right the same values and the same considerations and the same, uh, you, you know, the same aspirations, because if you don't, it can be hard. And I, appreciate I you that. yeah, I appreciate the vulnerability here. It's very hard to talk about, especially because you have these people on your cap table. They are prominent and you, you know, they're taking that investment also 
has helped got like getting you where you are as a founder oh, totally. and you're right. And so it's, it's definitely, I've personally been there. I've done, I've just finished raising our series D round and I've gone through venture. I've gone through private equity. I have more scars and war stories than anything in my business. Like I would do anything all over again and not where like I, I could learn from it. I could grow from it, but I feel like the biggest mistakes that I've made as a founder hands down are with my investors. And I think it's because you get that vote of confidence. It's that first and you, and as women, mm -hmm. we're so grateful. We're so excited, but it's not, it, it, we don't, we don't look to contemplate if it's even necessary or what are other alternatives. And there is a lack of education around it as well. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a big, bad world out there. And mm -hmm. the, there's not a value alignment. You could read right through the two of us right here. It is not easy because it's no longer your company, right? There's somebody else also making those decisions alongside you. And it's like having a like co-parenting, right? So we're kind of coming back to that analogy of having a baby. Mm -hmm. If it's your baby and then you're adding in a co-parent and you don't agree with the way that the, the value alignment with your partner, but then you're stuck with that partner until your child is, is grown up and off to college, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to, uh, it, it's just part of the process. So it, yeah. it can become very tricky, very messy and very emotionally taxing. I would say that that is probably the most emotionally taxing part of my job. And I have great investors. So it, but even that it's not always, it's still someone else's decision alongside mine. And you kind of lose that power and, and that decision-making that you want to trust your gut, but what happens when your gut actually, they don't agree with your gut mm -hmm. because that happens. And that mm -hmm. that's happened to me more times than I can count now. And I'll tell you nine out of 10 times I am right. But there's just a way that they have to go about doing things. And it's part of the process mm -hmm. and it's part of this world. And we as women have such little of a voice at mm -hmm. that table already. And so I really appreciate, Gail, you going a little bit deeper with us here, because I think there's a lot, uh, a lot to learn from. So I appreciate that. Um, other lessons that you were, you were going to share um, another one that was coming to mind. Uh, yeah, I would say, um, Another lesson is the power of no. Mm. And I think it's very easy. Oh my gosh. What's your number one instinct that you want to do when you're a founder? You want to say yes. 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 I can do that. Yes. I can be there. Yes. I can deliver that. Yes. I can have it on time. Of course. You don't ever want to say no, because this is what you've been working toward. But sometimes you need to say no. Sometimes you need to say no, and that's hard. And I have done it, and it was the right thing to do, but it was hard. And I probably should have said no one or two other times, but it's hard. But be, saying no can actually end up being the best thing for your business. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to, to say no. I love that. Thank you so much for, for that amazing, amazing lessons and advice. Now where's call of power heading. We'd love to, you know, see like, where are you now? And what are your plans of this next level of success? Like, what does it look like for Gail? What does it look like for call of power? So, um, so Kali power today, we're in about 30,000 stores, which is exciting. Oh and we've God. really, we've, ah. we've expanded, <laughs> thank you. We've expanded, um, our offering. So pizza is obviously what made us famous and it's always going to be our, our hero product, but we've expanded to a lot of other products as well. We have um, our chicken tenders, which if anyone has tried them, they're the number, uh, they're our number two product and they are just killing it. They're the healthiest chicken tender ever made. They're um, baked instead of fried and they're amazing. Uh, and so, and we're coming out with two new products and we're announcing them in two months. So that's exciting. Uh, so our SKUs are expanding. Our veggies are expanding. We are not a company that makes things out of cauliflower. We're a company that really uh, does magical things with veggies that brings all of your meal hacks to life. Um, and so that is a really nice place for us to be, to be able to, you know, really give consumers what they're, what they're looking for and what is currently not on market. And we have the best village of consumers because they talk to us all the time. They tell us what they like. They tell us what they don't like. They give us ideas. They engage with us. And I'm, it's such a privilege to 
be able to have that relationship. It's really the most important thing to me. Uh, I would say for me personally, I, I really have been spending a lot of time on, on, on product development, which is something that really gives me a lot of joy. Something that people may not know about Kali Power is that even since we sold our very, very first pizza back in February of 2017, uh, we have given a percentage of sales to build teaching gardens in underserved schools across the country. Um, it's not something a lot of startups do. It's not recommended. But for me, if I was going to, I had a pretty good gig in corporate America. So if I was going to give that up, it was going to be to do something that was going to make a difference in people's lives. So uh, we, we, we do that. And so when people ask me, like, what's my vision and hope and dream for Collie Power, it's that we continue to build uh, a hell of a lot of teaching gardens. That's incredible. That's just, I just, I love your story so much. I know we're all fully, I feel inspired. I know we're all inspired here. And I love that you're like talking to your customers still. I think that is just a beautiful thing for us to kind of like, be, just be reminded by, cause that a lot of, a lot of CEOs lose that going from when you're a founder and you're in the trenches and you are, you know, working on your product, you're uh, saying yes learning to say no, but trying to please, you're listening to your customers. And then as you scale, I feel like a huge demise for companies and scales, they actually lose touch with who they started the company for in the first place. They lose the mm -hmm. purpose. They, they lose that, uh, you know, they lose that connection with a customer um, and aren't innovating as fast as maybe their competitors are innovating. How do you continue to stay? Like, how did you build such an active community around a food product? You know, um, I think it helped that, uh, look, I, I started it for my kids, right? I, I'm, I'm a mom. I started it because I couldn't find what I needed in the grocery store. And I've always been really honest about that. And, you know, I think, you know, the brand is probably a little bit like me. I guess that's often the case with founders for better and for worse. It's a little crazy, right? <laughs> it. Uh, some people have said I look like a cauliflower. I don't know. I take it as a compliment. Um, uh, but um, I think that, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We are trying to make people's lives easier, give them more time to do the things that they love, have them not feel guilty about what they're serving them, eating themselves or serving to their families. Um, that's all we're trying to do here. And I think one of the reasons we've engaged a lot of people is because you know there is one of the things that have surprised me in the food industry is there's like this sort of notion of like preciousness right like oh there's like food and little glass jars and it's just you know everything is hand-picked and beautiful and you know to me you know the thing that is precious is really sitting down to a meal together it's not food, food isn't precious food should be i mean my my whole reason for starting collie power is to make better food accessible to all and so the notion the notion of preciousness to me has always not not sat well because it should be widely available at prices that everybody can afford and i think one good thing about the pandemic is it really put on the front page what a horrible, horrible problem with um, food accessibility we have in this country. There are people who cannot afford to eat. And now with inflation, it's that much worse. And so, you know, to me, we've always been very real about that. We've We've tried to build a community where people, like-minded individuals, can join us for any reason to to eat better for you food, just to eat delicious food, to have gluten-free food, to help build teaching gardens, to just be with other like-minded individuals. We don't food shame. We don't make people feel bad. This is about giving each other more time and more understanding and really the ability to gather around the table and share food. And I mean, what's more meaningful than that? So um, it's really a privilege, I have to say. It's incredible. How do you balance it all? So for like the kind of like my final closing yeah. question, I know 
many of the women here are wanting to know how do you balance mom life? How do you balance work life? Like what's what I'd love to hear about. Do you have a morning routine? Do you not have one? What does CEO Gail and mom boss look like? <laughs> well, I will tell you this. I made a decision pretty early on because my, my boys were young when I started Collie Power or one, my, my little one was young. Um, and that is, you can go at it two ways. You can separate your work life and your personal life, or if you're a founder, you get to meld the two together. And my sons have been involved in every single stage of Collie Power from tasting the food to serving as our summer interns to you know answering consumer consumer mail to um you know uh social media counselors um you name it and they and they work every show they work every single uh show and there's a fair amount of them because two things one I wanted to be with them. So if I wanted to be with them, I needed to engage them. That was pretty selfish and easy. But two, what a great, what a great experience for them. You know, what it's like a free MBA you're giving them. And and they get to see their mom at work. They get to see their mom betting on herself. They get to see their mom taking a chance and you know, building something of value. And Wow, that's a gift. Now, I don't know what my sons will end up doing with that gift. Maybe they'll run toward entrepreneurship. Maybe they'll run the other way. I don't know. But I do know that um, it's really it's really been such a, a gift for me to not have to choose those two lives. And I highly recommend it to any any mom bosses out there to um to to try it and i think um i think it, it's worked out pretty well i love it and here at co school i call it work-life integration exactly I, like, I always say i'm gonna get canceled gail like i will get canceled <laughs> I'm, like i say a lot of things that I, i've been muted off of, of uh, panels before by the way I'll share that for another story, but um, uh -huh. one of the I, people ask me work-life balance, work-life balance. I always say there's no such thing. There really isn't. It's work-life integration. I've had my babies alongside uh, my business yeah. is my baby too. And I know where to say no. I know where to say yes. And, you know, I just take the pressure off to be perfect everywhere. Right. And when I was struggling the most was when I was trying to be the perfect mother and I was trying to be the perfect CEO and I was trying to be the perfect um, you know, leader and the perfect this and the perfect that and the perfect, all of the things when right. I was just like, just, just, that's actually when the business was performing the worst. And when I finally kind of like let go of this reign of perfectionism and putting all this pressure on myself and just integrating it and just being like, I'm going to yeah. do my best every, and it's not going to be exactly the same and it's going to be messy and it's going to be chaotic and what you called crazy. Um, it is, it's, it's organized chaos that works for entrepreneurs. And that's a little exactly. bit part of our brains. You know? And that is why we're built this way. And so I love, love work-life integration. This has been such an amazing conversation. I feel so inspired uh, by you today. I want to say thank you uh, for coming on here for it for just empowering all the women to really just go for it and taking that bet on themselves um, and dropping off that pizza at the local Whole Foods. Like I can <laughs> see you right now dropping off that pizza and it's a forever memory I hope to kind of have in the back of my head when, you know, when times are tough to say, if Gail can go drop off the pizza and go do it, so can you. Um, so I appreciate the time, Gail. Thank you so much. Can I give all all your um, everyone listening a, a little gift before I go? Absolutely. We'd love to know okay. how can we support you and where can we find you and just tell us all of the Okay. Things. Okay. So, um yes, we would love um so you can follow us on any social cha uh, channel at at Collie Power um on Instagram or 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 Facebook or where or whatever uh, channel you like. Um we also are available in 30,000 stores. So if anyone would certainly like to uh, help support the cause, we, we'd love it. Um, and then as my gift to you all for being such great um, listeners, um, I'd like to give everybody a, a coupon good for a free product. 
So, um, so all you have to do is um, direct message us on any social channel at Collie Power. And uh, the code word is CEO school. And you will get a, uh, a digital coupon good for any free product. And um, let me know how you like it. Okay. Are you sure? Because uh, we've got 50,000 listeners on the podcast. Well, well, let's see. Let's see. Uh, let's see how it goes. Um, All right, uh, let's, let's show see. up. Let's get, okay. let's get some great product. Thank you, Gail. Okay. I, appreciate, I appreciate this. I appreciate you. And I really do genuinely, I'm obsessed with your pizza. Like if oh, I were going to be a brand ambassador for a pizza, it would be call of power. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to remember you said that I'm sending you a t-shirt <laughs> right now as we speak. You got it. Thank you. Got it. I, love <laughs> Thank you. I love it. What I do we want? What's like the best food that goes with wine? So by the way, that's my thing. It's pizza, pizza and pizza. wine. That's pizza it. Pizza and wine. And my thing too. Sticking in a pizza, an amazingly healthy pizza for your family. I don't have to worry about dinner. And we're feeling good about it. So I absolutely love it. Ladies, thank, thank you. you so much for listening, for being here. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers in through the door is even harder. But getting paid shouldn't have to be. Stacks Payments is here to help. Our intuitive platform simplifies invoicing, recurring billing, and enables you to take payments in person online, and even through text messages. Stacks is the one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee subscription for unlimited credit card processing, so you can save money and put more into your pocket. Subscribers to this podcast can save even more by mentioning code CEO20 when they sign up and save an additional 20% on your subscription for the lifetime of your account. Yes, we love supporting women in business. CEO 20, stop spending time tracking down customers and getting frustrated with payment tools that will fail you. Automate your business with Stacks Payments today and get your complete payment toolkit and support another fellow woman-owned business. Learn more at stackspayments.com slash CEO school. Again, that's taxpayments.com slash CEO school and code CEO20 to save another 20%. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO school and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag. So don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.